Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Speaking to his flock in the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon, we join Archbishop Alexander Sample as he reflects upon our faith, culture, and life in the church on The Voice of the Shepherd. Joining Archbishop Sample is your host, Dina Marie Hale. And now, The Voice of the Shepherd. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to The Voice of the Shepherd. I'm Dina Marie Hale, your host, and with me in studio is Archbishop Alexander Sample. And today we're going to reflect on the time of closing the celebration of Easter. We have the beautiful Feast of Pentecost and also the Most Holy Trinity. And as we transition slowly back into what's called ordinary time, it's a time to really embrace Pentecost, the Holy Spirit, and who we believe in, the Most Holy Trinity. So let's begin in prayer and guiding our conversation. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, enkindle in them the fire of your love, send forth your Spirit, and we shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Let us pray, O God, who does instruct the hearts of the faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit. Grant that by the gifts of that same Spirit, we may be always truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolations. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Holy Mary, our hope, seat of wisdom. Pray for us. St. Joseph. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Archbishop, we have been discussing a bit about, in fact, confirmation just most recently about right. this this gift of the Holy Spirit, but the church celebrates what I understand is the birthday. You know, Pentecost is truly recognized as the birth of the church. That's right. You know, the, the it's traditionally seen that, you know, the, the, the church really received uh, the gift of the Holy Spirit to really empower her mission to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. Uh, there's many ways to look at this because, you know, it, it isn't the Pentecost actually isn't the only moment mm-hmm. that uh, Jesus even in, even gave the Spirit because it's sometimes questioned. Well, wait a minute, you know, on the night of the resurrection when Jesus appears to the apostles gathered in the upper room, what does he say? He breathes on them and mm-hmm. says, "Receive the Holy Spirit. Right. Whose sins you forgive, they are forgiven them. Whose sins you retain, they are retained." Well. He gave the Spirit then. What's different about Pentecost? Well, he gives on the night of the resurrection that particular gift of the Spirit to, to forgive sin. So a certain uh, uh, authority and power uh, to the apostles and their successors and the priests to, to be able to do that. But at Pentecost comes the full outpouring of the Holy Spirit that Jesus promised his, his apostles. He promised them that he would send the Spirit and we can even talk about some of those different places where Jesus makes this promised gift of the Holy Spirit. But fathers of the church also see that the church was born, if you will, Mm -hmm. from the side of Jesus as he hung upon the cross. So there's another Mm -hmm. complexity to this. Well, wait a minute. If we say Pentecost is the birthday of the church, then that's, you know, kind of our own, you know, way of spiritualizing that, if you will. But on the other hand, we have the fathers of the church telling us that the church was born, if you will, from the side of Christ as he hung upon the cross, symbolized by the blood and water that flowed out of his heart 
uh, as, as after it was pierced by the soldier's lance, the water being the, the symbol, symbolic of baptism and the, and the blood, the Eucharist. Uh, well, what do we make of that? Well, <laughs> here's how I have reconciled this in, in, in my own mind, if you will, in my own spirituality. I mean, the church doesn't have any you know, dogmatic declarations uh, about these things, but I like to think of the church, yes, in a sense, being born from the side of Christ as he hung upon the cross, but the, the true life and the and the spirit was breathed into that church on the day of Pentecost and and set the church on fire uh, you know so cuz we can't really say that the church didn't exist before right. Pentecost because Jesus established the church and he established the Eucharist at the last supper uh so the church is already there but it is a new birthday if you will it's 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 almost like the um, the being born again almost uh, experience of Pentecost where Jesus pours out the promised gift of the Holy Spirit on the church from heaven, proceeding from the Father and the Son. He, and, when, and when that Spirit comes into the church, when the Spirit comes into the apostles gathered in the upper room by tradition with Our Lady, wow, things are lit up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the church is literally set on fire. And those men who were a moment ago afraid to even whisper the words of Jesus in the street for fear are now boldly out there proclaiming uh, Jesus as, as Lord and, and risen from the dead. So yes, it, you know, Pentecost is seen as the day when the, the Spirit came and the church was really given the, the power from on high to, to begin uh, that, that mission that Jesus uh, proclaimed and that he, he told the church to, to proclaim him, our, ourselves. Right. And we can kind of see this development if we're receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit as bab- at baptism, as for most of us as a child, as an infant, there's only so much ways that we can act in that, in that form as an infant. Hmm. But as we grow, we have the more sacraments. We become to be formed. That gift of the Spirit allows us to then, I think the word is witness, right? We become witnesses to what we believe. And I, and I think as we see that Pentecost, we see those apostles now, now they're called to witness. What did you just experience? You spent time with this man for three years. You realize he is the Messiah. You did see the crucifixion. You recognize his resurrection. Now we have to live our lives according to that truth. That's right, and it's the spirit that that comes, you know, to to really guide the church. Mm-hmm. And I think that's you know that's important because uh, Jesus, you know, when when he talks about the sending of the Holy Spirit, he speaks about it in different ways. You know, in in one place he speaks about you know that I be going away from you, but it's but but I must go away. It's better for you that I go, <laughs> which is a kind of a strange thing for the apostles yeah. to hear. It is better for you that I go because if I don't go. I can't send you the Spirit, uh, and mm-hmm. and and because when the Spirit comes, it enables Christ, in a sense, to be present in His Church in a new way and everywhere, in all times, all places, you know, spread throughout the world. Christ's presence is able to be present in the Church uh, through the mediation, you know, of, of the gift of the Holy Spirit poured out upon the Church. In another place, He speaks of the of the Advocate mm-hmm. uh, that He will send. And in a very important place, he, I, this is one of, I think, the one of the most important scriptures for us as Catholics to hear. Uh, Jesus says, you know, to the apostles, this much I have told you while I am with you. Uh, I cannot tell you everything now, yeah. 
because you wouldn't be able to bear it. Uh, you wouldn't fully understand it. But when I go, I will send you uh, another advocate, the spirit of truth, and he will lead you into all truth. And, and that's very important for mm. the church to hear because the promised gift of the Holy Spirit, which comes to fill the hearts of, of the apostles, fill the hearts of, of believers, and, empowering them in the spirit to witness to Jesus by their lives and their words and their actions and the way they live, that same spirit guides the church in her teaching. And, and Catholics need to be reminded of this because there's a lot of questioning of church teaching, uh, you know, especially in our days, all sorts of teachings of the church, mainly the moral teachings of, of the church. And it's like, well, I'm free to accept or reject those teachings and, and sort of play <clears throat> what we might call cafeteria Catholicism, uh, where I pick and choose off the buffet what I like and leave what I don't like. But Jesus' promised gift of the Spirit is to guide the church into all truth. Because they're, you know, the church is going to be obviously around for centuries, now two millennia, and it's going to face a lot of challenges, a lot of difficulties, and is going to need new inspirations from the Holy Spirit to resolve some of these, uh, even uh, you know, doctrinal questions that come before us. I mean, couldn't you imagine, for example, <laughs> Jesus speaking to the, the apostles about the, the evils of, of weapons of mass destruction or nuclear holocaust mm-hmm. or issues of, of uh, in vitro fertilization. Uh, you know, I mean, these, these would have been concepts completely unintelligible and incomprehensible to the apostles at the time. But the church is going to face these issues mm-hmm. throughout the ages. And so Jesus promises us that he will guide us by his Holy Spirit. So the, the Spirit not only enlivens us, gives us power, gives us the gifts of the Holy Spirit, uh, the traditional seven gifts, the Holy Spirit pours out upon the church the charismatic gifts, those gifts that are given to individuals, special charisms, special gifts for the service of the church and the common good. It pours out the hierarchical gifts on, on the bishops uh, in, in communion with each other and the Holy Father. So the, the, the Spirit is really uh, what gives the church her life, her ability to, to function, her ability to witness. It's, it's the power Mm-hmm. It's the soul. I mean, sometimes the church is obviously seen as the body of Christ, that we are the mystical body of Christ, and and that in a sense, the Holy Spirit is like the soul of that body that gives it life, gives it integrity, gives it unity, gives it uh, the ability to do what the body does and what Jesus told the body to do, the, the, the church. Just like our soul in, informs our, our body, and our, is united to our body, gives life to our body, unites our body, and, and is the principle of action of our, of, our, of our bodies. So the Holy Spirit is, is sort of the soul, if you will, of the church. I want to ask you, Archbishop, you mentioned earlier about our Blessed Mother, and we hear in the account of the, quote, tongues of fire, or what looked like tongues of fire that came down upon the apostles, that the Blessed Mother was with this group of apostles at that moment. And yet earlier in scriptures, we hear she was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit. What is this relationship that our Blessed Mother has with the Holy Spirit? Yeah, the, the, first of all, you know, on, on, you know, it's interesting if, if, you, if, you, if a very careful reading of the gospel doesn't explicitly say 
at the moment of Pentecost, mm-hmm. at the moment of Pentecost, mm-hmm. that Our That's Lady right. was in the upper room. And so there's, you know, there's some debate among right. scripture scholars and, and even theologians as to her, her presence. But uh, but earlier mm-hmm. in the Acts, it's described that, that, that she would gather with the apostles in the upper room for prayer. So there's kind of a presumption that she was there. Mm-hmm. And she's the mother of the church and the mother of our Lord, the mother of his, his human body, if you will, his human nature. It would be very uh, logical that Jesus would choose, that his mother, uh, that's one of my favorite images is the El Greco a painting of Pentecost with Mary in the middle, mm-hmm. surrounded by the apostles, the mother of the church, the mother of Jesus, the mother of the apostles, uh, there as the Holy Spirit comes down upon the church. And there's nothing uh, at all, you know, untheological or doctrinally incorrect about Our Lady being there at that moment, even though we think of the Holy Spirit being given to the apostles in order that they would give those gifts, the gift of the Spirit to the to the rest of the church. At the, at the Annunciation, at the Incarnation, you know, the Holy Spirit overshadows her, that she will conceive by the Holy Spirit, as we say in the Creed. So, uh, obviously, Our Lady has a very, uh, a very special and unique relationship with the Holy Spirit. You know, sometimes she's even referred to as the spouse of the mm-hmm. Holy Spirit. If, if it is by the Holy Spirit that she conceives the Son of God in her womb. Uh, but being overshadowed by the Holy Spirit uh, in the incarnation at, at the Annunciation, when she says yes to Gabriel's uh, uh, message, is not the same as being uh, filled with the Holy Spirit and animated, if you will, by the Holy Spirit on, on Pentecost. Uh, it's, it's a whole different receiving of the Holy Spirit. It, in a sense, the Holy Spirit did the action upon Mary in her womb at the incarnation, but now she is, is, is truly filled with the Holy Spirit in, in, a, in a, we can say, in a sacramental way, mm-hmm. in, a, in a way of dwelling, that the Spirit comes to dwell within her soul permanently, and as it does for all of us, you know, we could because we hear different times in Scripture, you know, people being filled with the Holy Spirit, but that's a momentary inspiration of the Spirit that the Spirit comes upon a person, inspires them, fills them, and 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 maybe even allows them to to make an utterance in the Holy Spirit. But it isn't it isn't that permanent dwelling, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, that that changes our soul that that so that the Holy Trinity, in, in fact, take residence in our, in our soul, that we become a temple of the Holy Spirit, a permanent place, if you will, where, where the Spirit dwells and, and continues to guide us day by day, moment by moment. Uh, so it's a, different, it's a different mode, really, of receiving the gift of the Spirit. There's a, there's a prophetic mode or, a, or an action mode, such as in the Incarnation or in, in prophecy, but there's a different mode, a habitual dwelling we call it, of the Holy, uh, Holy Spirit, which comes with the gift of sanctifying grace. When we receive the gift of sanctifying grace in baptism, we receive this indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We, we receive the indwelling of the Holy Trinity, but in a particular way, the, the gift of the Spirit to dwell now within us habitually, permanently, unless we lose the gift of grace through our own, our own grievous, grievous sin. And then that is strengthened in the mm-hmm. sacrament of confirmation. There's a kind of a strengthening of the gift of the Spirit, a greater outpouring of the gifts of the Holy Spirit that we receive in the anointing of, of, of uh, confirmation. Right. You know, as we go on our journey, Archbishop, and we are more and more, we pray, aware of the presence of the Holy Spirit, what are some ways that we can 
pray, have a better connection with or cooperation with the Holy Spirit as, as we move husbands and wives, priests, religious, young, old? How are some very simple ways that maybe we can start to have a better connection with the Holy well, Spirit? Well, it's, it's about a relationship, isn't it? I mm-hmm. mean, the, the, the Holy Spirit is one of the three persons of the Holy Trinity. And, and I think for some of us, and I think I've shared this before, you know, the Holy Spirit is a little bit more difficult, I think, for mm-hmm. people to, quote unquote, relate to in that personal way, because, you know, in the Holy Trinity, we have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Well, certainly it's very easy to, to relate to the Son, Jesus uh, Christ, the eternal Son of God made man, because we know he shared a humanity like ours. Uh, and so it's easy to see Jesus, if you will, as a person and relate to him as, as a person. The Father as well. I mean, you know, the Father doesn't have a physical body, but Jesus reveals his Father to us as our Father. So there, there's, there's an ability kind of to relate to Father. Whereas in, <laughs> in the Holy Spirit, well, what is this Holy Spirit? Mm-hmm. You know, who is this person yeah. that we call the Holy Spirit? You know, we have images of the Holy Spirit from Scripture. We have the image of, of the dove that even descends upon Jesus at his baptism, you know, in the Jordan. We have the image of the tongues of fire that come upon the apostles and, and our blessed mother on the day of Pentecost. But but we can't visualize the Holy Spirit. And that's I think that's that's what is a, is a challenge for some mm-hmm. of us to relate to the Holy Spirit as, as a person. But the Holy Spirit is a person. Mm-hmm to whom we can enter into a relationship with. And I think we need to really rethink how we approach the Holy Spirit and and approach the Holy Spirit as person, as the third person of the Holy Trinity that desires a profound relationship with us and to fill us. So I think it's it's about developing that relationship with the Spirit, focusing on on the Holy Spirit in our lives and even asking uh, for for a greater outpouring of the gifts of the Holy Spirit in our in, in our daily lives as we go about our own proper vocations. So I think part of it is to realize this is this is a gift of God. This is this is a a person from the Trinity that we have received that actually unites us to the Father and the Son. And so I think we need to we need we need to have an awareness of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives because the Holy Spirit is meant to guide us, yeah. is meant to enlighten us, is is meant to give us all those gifts of the Holy Spirit to to give us wisdom. Uh, sometimes to give us fortitude, courage, you know, to 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 witness to Jesus. You know, where do we, where do the apostles get the courage to witness to the resurrected Christ? You know, before Pentecost, they would have been afraid mm-hmm. to speak of Jesus openly and publicly because of fear for their own lives. And then after Pentecost, my gosh, they're so on fire, they don't care. Mm-hmm. They don't care if they're thrown into prison, tortured, whatever. They boldly and with joy witness to Jesus in his resurrection. What makes the difference? It's the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. It's the Holy Spirit that came upon them at Pentecost. Well, my dear brothers and sisters, we have that same Holy Spirit. I tell the kids at confirmation sometimes, you know, I've been doing confirmation for 15 years now. (laughs) I had a confirmation I've yet to see. Uh, tongues of fire fall right. down upon the heads of those being confirmed, or to hear in the church the sound of a great rushing wind, as, as, as Acts reports to us. Nevertheless, the gift you are receiving in confirmation, this gift of the Holy Spirit, is the very same Holy Spirit who descended upon the church, descended mm-hmm. upon the apostles at Pentecost. And I think sometimes we fail to realize the power yeah 
that the Holy Spirit has in our lives if we will unleash it mm-hmm. and, and pay attention to it and call upon the guidance yeah. of the Holy Spirit, especially in our most difficult moments. Absolutely. Following this celebration of Pentecost, we move into a celebration of the Most Holy Trinity. And you've been talking a little bit about it, right. this, this three persons. And I was reading this uh, from Tertullian back in the third century about this practice of wherever we go, the beginning, middle of our day, we would bless ourselves, recalling in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit with three fingers, you know, touching our foreheads, this practice of recognition of the Holy Trinity. But it still can be confusing in our minds. It's it's the the mystery of the Most Holy Trinity. And I mean, to set aside a whole feast, I I call the Feast of, 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 of the Holy Trinity, the Solemnity, the Trinity Sunday, we call it. The feast of God. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's really the feast of the celebration of who God is. It's like the most right. fundamental feast of the church because it, we're celebrating God himself as he reveals himself to us as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And, you know, not to get overly uh, theological, but you have to get a little theological to understand what is this relationship. Mm-hmm. We call them the processions of the Holy Trinity. So here, here's, here's basically theologically, dogmatically how, how we see this. The Father and the Son from all eternity are, are in relationship. In other words, the Son is eternally begotten of the Father. And the Father eternally begets the Son. So it isn't, it isn't like there was a time when all of a sudden the Son came to be from the Father. That you know, generated from the Father, begotten of the Father. No, from all eternity, this relationship has been in place. And that's we have to face it. We have limited, rational human mm-hmm. minds bound in time and space, and so it really, it's we're not capable intellectually of comprehending what that eternity <laughs> means. But but there has never been a time when God did not exist and has always existed in the same way. He's, mm-hmm. he's immutable. He doesn't change. So from all eternity, the Son is begotten of the Father, is the Son of the Father. And from all eternity, the Father begets the Son. He is the Father of the Son. And between the Father and the Son, uh, so that's the first procession. The Father, the Son proceeds from the Father uh, as as eternally begotten of the Father. And this love between the Father and the Son is, is, is that infinite, perfect love, a, a love that is so real, so intense, so perfect, so infinite, that it mm-hmm. becomes this third person, this Holy Spirit. And so we say that the, that the, the, that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. That's why we say that in the creed, the filioque clause, that from this, the, the, this love between the Father and the Son from all eternity is so real, so intense, that it becomes the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, who then proceeds forth from the Father and the Son in their love. And it's that Spirit then that, that, that proceeds forth to us. But then it's the Spirit that, that then brings to us the indwelling of the Holy Trinity. It's the Holy Spirit that draws us into the life of the Holy Trinity. It's the Holy Spirit who communicates to us, you know, the, the, the life of Father and Son. Uh, so it's, it's a beautiful reality, but, uh, but I think that's part of the why it's hard to relate sometimes to the Holy Spirit as person, because the, the Holy Spirit is the love of the Father and the Son, really, mm-hmm. uh, poured out for us, drawing us in, into that Trinitarian life, making us partakers of divine life, being divinized. 
as the Eastern churches say, and having that gift of sanctifying grace and that indwelling presence of the Holy Trinity with us. The Holy Spirit unites us, mm-hmm. and, and, and not just in a symbolic way, but in a real ontological grace way <laughs> with, with the Father and the Son. Yeah, and I think, I know for me, just reminding myself, and I do this a lot during the day if there's something troubling me, just to to call upon the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit with that uh, the sign of the cross. That I think for me, that's just helping me to just call out on God, yeah. Father, Son, and Holy yeah, Spirit. Right. It, it keeps us always rem- uh, reminded and mindful. Yeah. It'd be a, it's a great practice, actually, uh, Dina Marie, because we should be practicing throughout the day what we call practicing the presence of the Lord mm-hmm. and calling to mind that God is always present to us. God is always sustaining us, holding us in existence itself, but also filling us with his grace and his love. And we need to call out to him. We need to call upon him. We need to be reminded that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are are with us, dwelling in our soul. You know, I mean, think about that. We are a temple, not just of the Holy Spirit. We are a temple of the indwelling Trinity, uh, dwelling in our soul. Uh, that's That's amazing that God... Is, is, is that close to us? It's a powerful time, powerful time in the church. And let's continue to pray for the, for the power of the Holy Spirit to guide our brothers and sisters, particularly here in Western Oregon. Archbishop, would you help us close in Certainly. prayer? Certainly. I close with the blessing of our most holy trinity as I pray. May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit Come down upon all of you, your families and loved ones, and be with you this day and forever. Amen. Amen. And thank you all for listening to The Voice of the Shepherd on Mater Day Radio. We look forward to sharing with you again next week. For Archbishop Alexander Sample, I'm Dina Marie. And until our next encounter, may you have a blessed week. You've been listening to The Voice of the Shepherd with Archbishop Alexander Sample, a production of the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon. To subscribe to this podcast and access to all of our past shows, visit moderndayradio.com. Please email your comments and questions for the show to info at archdpdx.org. Learn more about the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon online at archdpdx.org. Peace be with you.